Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts with John Stephenson. John understands the importance of being prepared. Through rain, rocks, and snow, he has seen it all and survived. He has seen major disasters like Mount St. Helens and how vehicles were stopped in the street from the volcanic ash. Earthquakes, too, including the Loma Prieta earthquake, which felt like it wouldn't stop shaking. People were without electricity and could not hardly buy groceries or gasoline. The homeless lit bonfires in the streets. The Bay Bridge and other freeways were broken. God only knows what will be next. Welcome to Preparedness Thoughts by John Stephenson. We invite Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit to guide us as we examine how our preparations can be used to preserve the life of ourselves, our family, and others. Well, I was recently in church, and before the service began, I was talking to my friend. In passing, I said something about Jesus coming soon, and he replied, Ah! Jesus might return in a thousand years. Now, in my mind, I went down this path about why Jesus would soon return. (laughs) But then I realized it really is true. There's numerous reasons for us to believe Jesus is soon coming. But really, we don't know when Jesus will return. We don't know what God's timing is. And no matter what happens, we just don't know. So, we could go into the reasoning of why some dates are favored for the second coming of Jesus Christ, but that's really not the point here. Uh, We can fault others for having reasoning that we don't agree with, but the point is, is we just don't know. It might be a long way off, and it might be close. Um, I think it's fun to look at these things, There are dates that people favored, and the closest ones are 2017. That's this year. And then there's 2023 and 2027 and 2037. So these are discussed dates, but we just don't know. There's also reasoning to why 2067 is a day and uh, 2100 is is a, a year of his return. The fact is, we don't know. No one knows. And when you don't know, well, you really don't know. So, in that similar kind of a thinking, we don't know when there will be a disaster or some kind of an event which really causes us some very great inconvenience or who knows, who knows what. We don't know. It could be a small inconvenience or a really big problem. We just don't know. So the idea is... Do something. We, just like we want to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ when the rapture comes, we also want to have some preparation for the other things that just might happen. It just might happen. We don't know. But predicting the date for a war or a volcano or an earthquake or, or an electric outage, well, like I said, we just don't know when anything will happen. So take some preparation now. There can be other things. They can be little things, Uh, like an appliance could break, or a fan belt in your car could break, or how about a flat tire or a kitchen fire? Well, really, we don't know the timing of things. So the best thing I think we can do is do something for that just-in-case situation, because really, we don't know when anything will happen, not from the rapture and not, or Jesus' return, let's say, or... When something simple or something very major happens, we just don't know. So, as, as, uh, as I always say, start your preparations now before there is an urgent need, and what you want is hard to find. This is episode 39, and again, we must remember to give thanks to God for the many, many blessings that we do have. Your letters with questions or donations are important. John Stephenson, P.O. Box 7222, Chico, California, 
888-529-9527. Email prepareforgod at usa.com or call 628-7222. Thank you for listening to Preparedness Thoughts on KKXX. My Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art. How great Thou art. Settle up your horses. Welcome to Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. This is the program that proclaims liberty to the captives of our beloved nation, where truth trumps political correctness, where the uncompromised word of God exposes the works of darkness and sets free those held hostage behind the iron curtain of a shamelessly biased media. For God has called us to stand for truth, and having done all to stand, we will stand. It's time to fight the good fight of faith to preserve our country, our families, fortunes, and sacred honor to protect our property, our schools, and yes, maybe even salvage some of our churches. America, we have a trail to blaze. It's time to saddle up. It's time to ride. Now, here is your host of Red Sky Radio, Rob Walter. Well, hello, America, and welcome world to Red Sky Radio and the Red Sky Radio Ranch, where we ride hard for the brand, the brand of Jesus Christ. God bless you all. Once again, a packed day. we got to fit this all in. We're not going to just fiddle around here. We're going to get going. But before I start, if you want to reach me with a comment, criticism, contribution, hey, that would be great, whatever, you can find it all on the webpage, which is redskyradio.net. That's the web the, the webpage, redskyradio.net. And you can write to me at info at redskyradio.net. All right. Well, let's get rolling here. We, As I said, we always start with good news. Try to end with good news. In between, we hang on. This first story today, I absolutely love this. Now, as most of you know, I'm a lawyer. I do some other things besides that. Uh, probably nobody tells more lawyer jokes than I do. And as one party told me, said to me one time, he said, you know, there really are only two lawyer jokes. And I said, why is that? He said, because all the rest are true stories. And that by itself, of course, is a lawyer joke, but it was actually very, very funny. And I tell it all the time. But when we have some issues that arise, such as, or not arise, as has arisen in the last few weeks with Nicholas Sandman, the the Covington High School fiasco where we've got, we got young men, primarily young men, wearing Make America Great Again hats, who are, we've got this Indian, supposedly, and I don't know if he's really a Native American or what have you, um, not India Indian, but North American Indian, chanting and uh, doing everything right in the face of this young man. And of course, we have all these uh, organizations that completely lied, which is what we expect from Democrats, because that's what they do. It's part of their, def- one of their defining characteristics. Well, of course, the other day, and you probably heard about this, that Nicholas Sandman, after he got so sacked and sandbagged by various Hollywood uh, microbrains and uh, media hacks who can't stand anything righteous, all the bibliophobes, all the Christophobes, who are all on the left, as they just ripped and shredded this young man in the media, of course, he's now come out, and he's starting with a Washington Compost to sue the Washington Post. But we call it the Washington Compost. The only thing that is productive there is that which degrades. Suing him for $250 million. 
God bless you, Nicholas. I hope you collect every stinking dime of it. I hope those guys file bankruptcy that they only have two hundred and fifty million and five cents in assets, and you run them right down to the brink. They have to file bankruptcy. You collect everything you possibly can, and I would encourage you, Nicholas, to file other lawsuits against other papers and individuals because honestly, I am sick and tired of the right of the conservatives of the Christians getting bashed and crashed and smashed by the left-wing media, and we never fight back. You say, oh, that's not Christian. We're just supposed to turn the other cheek here. Well, you know what? I'd like, I wish I could go off to the side and do about 20 minutes on what turning the other cheek really means. Does it mean, though, that you would never stand up for your own? Does it mean that you're just going to let, well, you know what? I got to keep moving here. Because what they're seeking here, of course, is justice. But I mean justice in the truest sense of the word. Not this environmental justice, social justice, right? all these other justices, which all the adjectives end up perverting, subverting the meaning of the word justice, its real meaning, which is to make sure that wrongdoers are properly dealt with. Properly dealt with. Now, the essence of this lawsuit, and that this is why it's really important, it may not be really about the money. I hope he collects big time. Um, but the real issue here is you have the left that goes on and on ad nauseum about bullying. Who's the bully here? Who are the bullies? Hollywood are the bullies. The Washington Compost are the bullies. Their hack reporters are the bullies. So they pick on what, a 16, 17-year-old kid in high school, and they just destroy the kid, shred his credibility, smash his character to smithereens. And who's doing the bullying? The left. And that's typically the way that it is. The left does the great, great majority of the bullying, and then they wait till they can find a so-called right-wing bullying situation and blow it up as though that's mainstream, and then they hide the curtain as though they've never been guilty of the same crime. Well, the Washington Post, as I said, the Washington Compost, has made tons of money off from their own lies. Lies, lies, and more lies. Now, if they made money lying about Nicholas Sandman, it's time for Nicholas Sandman to make some money telling the truth and holding the liars accountable. Now understand, he doesn't have $250 million in damages. He does not. Not even remotely close. But hey, go for it. Because what is the potential here is that the Washington Compost behavior is so egregiously horrible, so violative of any supposed duty to be the fourth branch of government, a neutral arbiter of the truth, it is such an egregious abuse of that duty that punitive damages are justifiable here. Punitive damages, what are they? It might mean that you, the person only had $150 in damages, but the behavior was so outrageous by somebody who should know so better what not to do that they need one great big giant spanking in their little fanny. That's what I hope happens. That's how he could get to $250 million, is that way. Okay, second piece of good news. I love this story. And I, and I love it not, not because it's something that I have been rooting for and I have advocated, and I didn't dare to predict because I didn't know it would come around, but I've been advocating for this for about four or five years now, is for some entity, some city, some county, some municipality of some sort, some state maybe, I don't think we're quite there, to consider themselves a sanctuary county, sanctuary city or town, what have you, for the Second Amendment. And that's what Lincoln County, New Mexico has done. Lincoln County, New Mexico, population 10,000, uh, give or take 9,000. I've advocated for this for years. 
it's just a strong blowback to the left and their whole sanctuary city thing that they said, not only is this moral, not only can we do it, we don't care if it's against the Constitution. Hey, now it's our turn. This is moral. This is right. This is, Who cares whether we are defying state law when you do what you must do to be able to properly protect your family and your property, your assets, what have you? And they're doing it. They absolutely are doing it. And there is a time to push back, and this is that time. Sanctuary City for the Second Amendment, Lincoln County. So if you want to go on Realtor.com, type in Lincoln County, New Mexico. You can find out whether maybe you want to move there. I don't know. New Mexico could use a few more conservatives. Trust me, they really need it. Okay, so next, what do we have here? So we're up to 18 states that are suing Trump over his emergency declaration about for building the wall at the border. Now, there really is no way that an emergency declaration issue should be something that could even be litigated. The fact of the matter is that when you go to an emergency declaration, from a constitutional perspective, What the Constitution is saying is that there are those times when a situation is so serious that you have to simply bypass the Congress and the courts and act on an executive basis, an executive action for what is to avoid immediate irreparable harm to the country from a security standpoint, and we are there. This is entirely appropriate. Now, if this gets before those those hacks on the Ninth Circus Court of Appeals in Sodom, Francisco, and they rule against Trump, this is what Trump needs to do. Trump needs to take the writ, the order, and hold it up at a press conference and say, I've got two choices with this. You might think it's to obey or not to obey. But no, the two choices are, do I set it on fire or do I wrap fish with this document? Because at that point, he needs to, he's higher than the courts. He needs to, he needs to follow through on the authority that he has that clearly supersedes any court's ability to restrain that when there is a reasonable basis for concluding that there's an, a national emergency. The fact is that it cannot be litigated for court through the courts for years. If it's an emergency, it's an emergency. If you had somebody who was in an accident and they're and they're barely breathing, they got crushed lungs and a punctured abdomen, and you name it, do you do you end up just saying, "Look, you know what? Let's figure out. Let's take a year figuring out how whether this guy really needs a treatment." An emergency, by its very definition, does not admit of delay would be the constitutional term. And if you heard the program from about a month ago where I discussed the constitutional of the authority of governors to do exactly what Trump is proposing, then if the governors have that authority, why wouldn't the president of the United States? And specifically, I was talking about Article 1, Section 10, Paragraph 3 of the U.S. Constitution that says, in part, that no state shall engage in war unless actually invade, invaded or, or, or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay. So the governors of New Mexico, gutless as she is, the governor of Arizona, who sometimes is okay, the governor of Texas, who's pretty good, and the governor of California, who's a loser in all caps, Governor Gruesome, they have the authority under the Constitution to to secure the border of that particular state from any invading group of people. It doesn't have to be armed. They just have to be illegal. The Constitution demands nothing more than that there was going to be danger, imminent danger, by not securing the border. The governors have this authority. 
The constitutional right, I do not know why they haven't used it, other than that maybe they're just a little gutless, or maybe, maybe they don't even know about it. So Trump needs to just ignore it, forget you pack of winos, and then just go do it. Build the wall, secure it with troops if he has to. And we got these left-wing lemmings who yak and yak and yak, five billion, five billion, five billion. We've blown three and a half billion on the stupid bullet train in California. Trump wants it all back and doggone it. I hope California goes down to its knees begging for mercy for to not have to pay the three and a half billion and then not give them any mercy. Collect it. Well, you can see what kind of election we're working up to, can't you? I mean, it is so obvious. The sides are parting farther than the Red Sea parted when Moses and the Hebrews passed through. It is parting farther than the San Andreas Fault could ever uh, part in, in our worst nightmare. That's the rift that is has so accelerated in this country and so manifested, I don't think it's recoverable. I really do not. I truly think this country is headed for a civil war unless all the good people and the righteous people lay down their arms and they yield and they surrender to the left. Of course, they'll be executed later, one way or the other, or punished in prison. They'll be sued. You name it. What was it? Uh, I forgot the town in Texas where the troops submitted to Santa Ana. What was it? I, it begins with a B as in boy. Somebody could write me at Red Sky, info at redskyradio.net. Bizarre. Uh, gosh, I just can't think of the town. And, they, and, the, and the Mexican army under Santa Ana said, hey, we will treat you fairly. This is a war, blah, blah, blah. The rules of war, uh, rules of Queensbury apparently uh, didn't apply after all because they all got slaughtered. Folks, that's what's going to happen if we yield to the left on all of these critical issues. We're gone as a country. I mean, I would rather, and this is a, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I do mean it. I would rather have a civil war with an opportunity for righteousness and right to prevail than for the right side, the conservatives, to simply surrender and yield total control to a pack of Democrats loosed from the pit of hell. Now, here's the way this plays out. Let's go back three years. 2016, early on, or maybe 2015. Obama, one of the worst presidents in all of U.S. history. No question about it. No brainer, not even anybody's close in second place within the last hundred years. He was so bad that he brought a ton of good Republicans all fighting for the opportunity to take this guy out or to, to, you know, to succeed in a way. I mean, that back in 2012 and then 2016, not to take him out because he was done, but to reverse and have an opportunity to, to reverse all the damage that that guy inflicted morally and financially upon this country. So what we what what do we end up with? Are the the Obama rea- the reaction to Obama produced Trump? There's no way Trump could have ever been elected if Obama weren't as awful as he was. It took him being as terrible as he was. And then Hillary being basically a carbon copy of Obama for Trump to get elected. A more mainstream, if you will, Democrat would have beaten Donald Trump. Somebody who played to the Labor Party. Somebody who wasn't carrying out and just an extension of Obama's uh, failures. And so you end up with, of course, what was now twice failed Democratic candidate for president, Hillary Rodham Clinton. Now, so Obama produces Trump, a long ways from Obama. Trump has so angered the left, all of the bibliophobes, all the Christophobes, all the Elohimophobes, all the El Shaddaiophobes on the left are going bonkers. So as the 
as the the batch of good, solid conservatives who might not have entered the 2016 race if Obama weren't so bad and Hillary wasn't so bad following him. We have people flipped over to the other side, 180 degrees, degrees, who could not be more evil and could not be worse, who are a direct response now to Donald Trump. So the ex- the extremes get more extreme. The, the thing is, Donald Trump is not really extreme. He's slightly to the right, but the great gulf is that the left is so far left. Halfway point between today's left and Donald Trump is not the middle of 25 years ago. Halfway point between the left and Donald Trump is something quite a ways to the left. The left has turned maniacal in their mouth-foaming angst and uh, vitriol and venom to take out Donald Trump and anybody who would succeed him. Because if, if Trump wins re-election, they'll be just as full of venom four years from now as they are now. So let's back up here. Because Obama produced Trump, and Trump has produced the left-wing wackos like Warren and like Cory Booker, like, well, Bernie Sanders is back in now, and then Kamala Harris. I mean, they're just a pack of whack jobs. They're not even anybody remotely close to good. It's why... Mr. Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks, and Joe Biden are both toying with the idea of entering the race. And they're seeing that they're they're not pro-Trump by any means. They they hate Trump. However, they are seeing what's happening with numbskulls like Ocasio-Cortez and and the venom that, well, no, it's not so much venom from her. It's just gross stupidity that people like Booker and Warren and Harris Sign on to the stupid Green New Deal. Haven't read it. The most stupid document to have ever emerged from a congressman in the last 50 years. And they sign on to it. That is now producing a push. This maniacal move from the left is now precipitating the rise of something apparently or appearing to be in the middle. Mind you, Schultz is no friend of Christians. Schultz would ram, cram, and slam, and jam everything queer down everybody's throat in the United States, like it or not. He is, however, not the whack job that all the other candidates have turned into, all trying to out-left each other. That's what they're doing. They're trying to out-left each other. And Joe Biden, same thing. Joe Biden's to the left of center. He's to the right of those whack jobs. And he's probably maybe even a little bit to the right of Schultz. But he's still left of center, no question about it. But they're, they're saying, we're toast. If, if the response to Obama and Hillary produced Trump, then what will be the response from the left-wing whack jobs that make up the entire Democratic panoply of candidates? Well, there you go. That's my two cents worth, although I spent about $200 worth of airtime on two cents worth. Honestly, I really don't know why anybody on the left feels as though they have to outleft each other. And, and, this, and, the, and it's simply a case of what do I have to do to be as far from Donald Trump as possible? That's all that's about. I mean, if if Trump, if this were Mike Pence, who were pre- was president right now, you wouldn't see the demagoguery. You wouldn't see the lying. Uh, well, you would, but not to the degree of what we are seeing. These completely out of sync, out of control, left wing nuts that are now the centerpiece of the Democrat Party. Their namesake, which I've given them, Democrats, about three or four years ago, is ever more truthful almost every single week. They wouldn't be, that wouldn't be the crowd we'd be looking at at Mike Pence. Oh, they'd still be foaming at the mouth about anything righteous, which uh, they, that, that their ears cannot simply 
receive or their brains or souls digest. No, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be nice, but it wouldn't be where we are. So where we are is simply an effort to see how, how, what do I got to do and how do I go about being 180 degrees from Donald Trump? And so what they do is they go out and do things that are unbelievably, incredibly stupid to get as far from him as possible. I hope that what they intend for evil, God will use for good and that we will have Mr. Trump back in 2020. But the fact that they, that, I mean, wait, I've got to say, eight years ago, would you have any Democrat eight years ago sign on to this Green New Deal? Are you kidding me? They say, oh, what do you think I am, batty? What do you think I want to do? Not get elected by supporting this piece of, of balderdash? And, and, and typical of this thing is, uh, what, what do they say, with the Green New Deal? They said it's supported by 92% of Democrats, 64% of Republicans. They say support the Green New Deal. Ocasio-Cortez has no f- source for that material. None. She doesn't cite any sources. But guess what? With the left, you don't need sources. Because with the left, you don't need facts. Because with the left, you don't need the truth. That's why Nathan um, Bernard Nathanson, the guy who at one time had performed more abortions than anybody in the United States. He was up to 60,000 abortions. And he sold the lie that there were, what, uh, I think something like, I forgot, 70,000 back alley abortions a year in the United States, when in reality there were about 200 or 100. He admitted later on, he admitted, I made it all up. The left didn't want to know the truth. They wanted to lie. Tickle us, tickle our ears with lies. Tickle us with, we don't, because we have no intention of vetting you because you're saying what we like. So we will spew lies and venom if it, it, because it fits with our MO here, fits with our narrative. So they don't need facts. And the media is not out to call them on them. No, the media is only there to stop conservatives other than Fox and Breitbart. That's your only function these days, to stop conservatives. So she doesn't have any sources. And then I cannot believe that in a, in a government document, well, I can believe it because the Democrats did this, that they cite the fact that in 10 years uh, we, we're going to be at zero, uh, net zero uh, as far as emissions. But uh, Ocasio, uh, stupendous brain that she is, says... Well, we're not sure that we can get there, of course, because we're not sure we can get rid of, in her words, farting cows and airplanes. Well, you know what? Uh, if she's down to the last cow on, on uh, in the United States and she's there to finish off the last cow, I, th- I hope he blows her some smoke out his rear end about three times before she takes him out. She ought to get a taste of her own medicine. And the fact of the matter is, since Democrats outnumber Republicans in this country, and because they are uniquely full of hot air, wouldn't, after we get rid of farting cows, wouldn't farting Democrats be the next thing we need to get rid of? Folks, I don't really like to talk like this, but the fact of the matter is this is this is the way the people in government are now talking. And I'm fine taking it back to flatulence and flatulation. But the fact of the matter is there's a large part of the listening audience that doesn't know what those words mean. So, uh, that's true with most. So the Dems are up to their tricks uh, again with this. But we go on to something that honestly gets even worse. Coming out of the Green New Deal. One of the scariest parts of it. Uh, well, we're going into break here. I'm going to share with you in just a minute. And I'm not suggesting that you get this thing and, out and read it. I mean, don't you don't need to read trash. I'm going to give you the essence of what's wrong with it, which is pretty much all of it but in condensed form. We'll be right back. Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter is a listener-supported program. Please know that 100% of your contribution goes to pay for airtime so that as many people as possible are able to hear that the Word of God has answers to every meaningful problem and issue in life. No one gets paid a salary at Red Sky Radio with Rob Walter. 
but in response to your support, we pledge to bring you the most timely and critical information you need to help make informed decisions in this age of media bias and a growing hostility to all things Christian. Your partnership makes you one of the watchmen on the wall with us, as described in the book of Ezekiel. Please send your support to Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. This is Rob Wolder. We are back with Red Sky Radio, picking up on this Green New Deal and all the things you don't really need to know. But I want to I want to move through this relatively quickly for the balance of it. But this is just a signal. The fact that the Democrats are, by and large, getting behind this piece of trash, written written like a Valley Girl who is watching the Real Housewives of well, whatever, fill in whatever city you want. And then she and she whips it out in ten minutes on her iPad. That's what it sounds like. It's that sophomoric. I don't know where she graduated from. Was it Boston University or Boston College? Anyway, I, there should be a petition drive to revoke her college degree. But she has one word that she loves in this document, and it's the word massive. Listen to this. This is what we she's stating. And all the, de- but the majority of Democrats are getting behind. So listen to this. We need massive federal investments and assistance to organizations and businesses participating in the Green New Deal and ensuring the public gets a return on that investment. Stupid. The investment means tax dollars. How do you get a return on your tax dollars? Number two, this is massively expanding existing and building new industries at a rapid pace growing our economy. Three, a Green New Deal is a massive investment in renewable energy production and would not include creating new nuclear plants. Four, the Green New Deal is about creating the renewable energy economy through a massive investment in our society and economy. Five, this is a massive mobilization of all our resources into renewable energies. Six, the level of investment required is massive. Seven, the speed of investment required will be massive i got to stop here for a second. Speed is not massive. This, this brain-dead knucklehead, I mean, she didn't even use the right words. Where are we? Eight. Also, private companies are wary, wary of making massive investments in unproven research and technologies. Therefore, we must massively expand clean manufacturing like solar panels, wind turbine factories, batteries, storage manufacturing, blah, 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 and remove pollution and greenhouse gas emissions from manufacturing. Totally overhaul transportation by massively expanding electric vehicle manufacturing. How about that? One more. Ma- and make massive federal investments in assistance. Oh, I'm sorry. I did read that one. Um, so we have, what, 12 or 13 references and uses of the word massive. 12 to 13 references to massive. Well, guess what? There's no... Uh, as as the writer of one article said, he said, you know, it's no surprise that anything government does is massive, but he said it has never been a massive success. Government initials, initiatives like this simply ending up are massive, but they're a massive waste of money, a massive step in the wrong direction, and I might add a massive reduction in personal liberty. Because remember, when Ocasio-Cortez and all of her left-wing lemmings get bigger and more powerful, you get smaller and weaker. When government gets bigger, you get smaller. When they grow, you shrink. When their, when their authority expands, your rights contract. It cannot be any other way. The whole is equal to the sum of its parts. This is, it's just, it, this is just so ridiculous. And the people who can't 
totally buy into this on the left? This is what I heard just today. I forgot who the guy was. He said, um, he said, well, I don't know that I agree with all of it, but it's aspirational. Aspirational. It breathes life and an inspiration into a direction we should be going. Let, let me ask you, how can stupid be aspirational? Is there any way that you, I, I don't see? And and the only per, the only people, honestly, sorry if you're from Brooklyn and you voted for, for her, but the only people more stupid than Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez are the ones who put her in office in Brooklyn. Do you not care? Are you really that dumb that you have such a knucklehead? And, and do I mean this? Yes, this woman does not have the capacity to process facts or figures. I will give you just one example, and there are many because we need to move on. New York City was going for the Amazon uh, distribution center, right? They were in the running. Ocasio-Cortez and some others were against it for whatever reasons. I don't really care because I don't really care whether Amazon is in New York City or not. I couldn't care less. I mean, I just don't have any, I don't have any, a dog in that hunt. Amazon was going to be given $3 billion of tax-based incentives. In other words, basically they're going to get a tax subsidy up to $3 billion from New York City. So when they pulled out Alexandria, mental giant that she is, said, well, since they were not getting a $3 billion in tax breaks, the city can spend the money on infrastructure and helping the poor and whatnot. Folks, I can't even describe how breathtakingly ignorant and, and, and stupid this is. You can't spend money that you never collected in taxes. This was a tax concession to Amazon. It wasn't a tax receipt. New York is not $3 billion richer because Amazon pulled out. They just had $3 billion in giveaway that they weren't yet giving away. They don't have the money. It's just money they weren't going to collect. So the money you're not going to collect, you somehow now collect and you can do it for something else. Folks, this is the, this is the depth of the brain death that this woman is functioning and why do I make a big deal out of it? Because so many Democrats agree with her. So many of them are lined up trying to outleft each other. Like Kamala Harris, who comes out this week supporting some form, some form of slavery reparations. Now I'm gonna I, I don't want this I don't want to get through this program without giving you a Bible verse. But in multiple places, two if not three places. In Scripture, it says that the children are not responsible for the sins of the parents. The parents are not responsible for the sins of the children. Look, I didn't do anything to any black person. No black person has had anything done to them by me. I, I can honestly say I have never discriminated in my life. Have I been discriminated against? Of course I have been. I know that I, I know why I it was very clear why I didn't get into University of Michigan's law school because I was a white male. And that was what they did. And University of Michigan Law School got sued and they lost, eventually lost, because it was blatant racial discrimination. Do I hold that against any blacks? Of course not. I have I I have a gazillion black brothers and sisters who I love dearly. And they know that this is as unbiblical as a whole bunch of things, pretty much anything that the left is doing. You cannot say, I have personally been harmed today by something that somebody did 150 years ago, by somebody's great-great-granddad. That is unbiblical. The children are not responsible for the sin. I mean, look, if I had a grandfather who raped some woman, do I... Do I take the punishment for that now if he stole from uh, my great-grandfather stole uh through his whole life am i called upon to make reparations to the children of the victims 
who themselves have not been stolen from? You want a civil war for all the wrong reasons. Just push that, Cammy baby. My goodness, you're turning out to be more of a, a prostitute of the left than even Hillary Clinton. I don't say that loosely. I say it with uh, a, a confidence of truth. Hey, more bad news here for New York or New York. Doesn't matter. West Venezuela, uh, otherwise known as California. Uh, Governor Gruesome is withdrawing the California National Guard troops from the Mexico border, calls it a manufactured crisis. All, if there's any illegals listening to this, I want you to find Newsom's home, and I want you to break into his front yard. Yes, I do. You jump that fence just like you jump something coming in here. And I want you to camp out. I want you to sleep on his front porch. In fact, while you broke into this country, you broke through his fences, break in through his front door. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's a ticket. Okay. I avoided, for the last couple of weeks, all the shenanigans going on in Virginia with the obvious racist behavior of of some. And interestingly, um, the governor there, Northam, you know, I, I can't... Obviously, I don't agree with what he did when he was 18. But you know what? Most people listening to this program wouldn't agree with a bunch of things I did when I was 17 or 18. We got the same Brett Kavanaugh thing. I mean, could no one ever outgrow their their mistakes? Can no one ever get past their sins? Look, I became a Christian when I was in my 20s. There's a bunch of things I did before I became a Christian. I don't do now. But but does what I did pre-Christianity now uh, remove me from being able to run from office? And, and I'm not talking anything racial. I'm just talking things that would make me maybe uh, less qualified for government office than what I think I would be now. I mean, can you never change? All I can say is, and I've said this to others, that uh, if uh, Christians who are running for political office and I said, you got some things in your past that would be problematic, that would be troublesome? And some of them said, yes. I said, they said, I don't know. You know, maybe, you know, my wife or my husband, they don't really want me to go into this race because maybe this will come out, maybe that will come out. Well, you know what? Two points. Number one, it doesn't matter if it comes out because even if it doesn't come out, they'll make it up. The left does not now or ever has required facts. Number two. If indeed something is true, if indeed you have things that are a distinct embarrassment from your past, and particularly if it's on the other side of salvation, you know what you're being called to do? You're being called to give your testimony. That's right. You're being called to tell what Jesus Christ did for you when you gave your heart to him. And the things that washed away and the things, and are you perfect? No. Yeah, you see, I've, you know, there are things that I've done since that I'm not proud of. But I'm not doing those things. And whatever I've done for the wrong, maybe it's for a less wrong reason. But nonetheless, I'm being sanctified. I'm working on this. I am, in other words, I'm not the person today that I was 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Look. You need to take your testimony and use it offensively. I don't mean to offend people, but I mean that there is a sword in your hand. When you give your testimony, the strength of God's word, when you became saved, you became an advocate for the truth, and you are the old man has washed away, has passed away. All things have become new. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible says. There is no condemnation. So you don't have to be even embarrassed about the past. You say, you know what, look, I, I know it was wrong, but I'm not going to say that I'm standing here embarrassed because the blood of Jesus has washed away not only that sin, he's washed away the embarrassment. I don't need to go there. You can spend time. You can spend your time on my past. I'm not going to. Turn what they intend to use for evil into something good, something positive, 
turn it back on their own heads if they are trying to malign you. Every time you are attacked for your faith, you have an opportunity to speak up on behalf of your faith. You know, we talked last week about uh, the importance of supporting Israel. You know, I I don't, th- I mean, there's nothing in my past that would would come out about this. However, I can tell you that before I became a Christian, I was anti-Semitic to a certain degree. I wasn't a Jew-ater, but I, but I, what it came down to is this. I didn't really do that great in my classes at the University of Michigan. And I had this perception that everybody that did better than I were Jewish. Well, the fact of the matter is half of them were Armenians. Half of them, I mean, I couldn't detect or distinguish between you know, Middle Easterners over a wide range of people. But the fact of the matter is, truth be known, a lot of people did better than I did school-wise. But that's just what I perceived. Jewish girls would not go out with me. Now, truth be known, a lot of girls wouldn't go out with me. But they wouldn't, and I understood it. I understood, hey, you know, I'm not the right ethnicity here. You want to bring home uh, to mom and dad somebody that doesn't have blue eyes and who isn't uh, obviously Dutch like I am. Okay, I get it. But I I developed this mild anti-Semitism, and it was growing. The day I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, I fell in love with the Jewish nation and the Jewish people. That's not to say that they do everything right, not to say I condone everything. Far from it. But my heart was changed, and that's my testimony. That's my testimony. In fact, when I approach or I engage Jewish people who I know to not be believers, I will say to them, have you ever met anybody who was anti-Semitic? And they say, oh, gosh, is a Pope Catholic? Well, okay, yeah. I say, okay, have you ever met anybody who you knew to be anti-Semitic that you then knew who, then, who, uh, who also claimed to no longer be anti-Semitic? And truthfully said, I've never had any Jew ever say that to me. And then I say, okay, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Rob Walter. Now you know one who was, but now I'm not. The way I was before is not the person I am now. I am now there with the true Jew who's a Jew inwardly, one who is now a member, as it says in the New Testament, of the commonwealth of Israel. Use whatever is negative in your past if you are called to defend it. I mean, called to account for it. If you have become a Christian, use it to your advantage to give the glory to God for having released you from that. What it comes down to, I think what I'm saying here, we all have sin, but don't waste the sin. Don't waste the sins of your past Use them, particularly if you are called into account for them, when Paul says, hey, forgetting those things which are behind, we forget them, but others don't, so they bring them up. Don't waste that sin. Make sure you take it and say, yes, that's what I did, and that's not who I am now, but I'm glad you brought it up. Now, after they hear your testimony, they may not be real glad you brought it up or that they brought it up. But you say, no, I'm glad you brought it up because I'd like to tell you how I got delivered, cleansed, and changed from that despicable behavior or those unbiblical views and the things that I've done wrong and all of that stuff. So I'm a long ways from the Virginia uh, fiasco here, aren't I, with the racists and the sexual predators and all that stuff. Well, I did go a ways uh, to, the, to the side, but I think it was uh, led of God to, to share that. I will only say this parting thing about the fiasco in Virginia. We have a whole bunch of people, a cadre of politicians, who are emerging as out-and-out racist and sexual or and or sexual predators. I can simply say this. Every single one of them, every single One. Did you get that? Every single one of them is a Democrat. I rest my case. Because they're into perversion and mainstreaming all those things 
which are not right. As one gentleman once said, God created man and woman, but Democrats created all the other genders. How true it is. You know, this is the second week now I have not gotten to the piece that I wanted to do on Cory Booker and the Catholic Church. I am running out of time. But I need to share something in closing here. We've talked about the divide that's coming. I'm not the divide that's coming. The divide that's here and is ever expanding and which is likely to precipitate a civil war. I have said in the past things that you need to do. You need to know the Word of God. Be in that Bible all the time. Be sure and give God your tithes and offerings because when things get tight, when things happen that uh, maybe all the resources are not going to be immediately available, we, like Elijah, who knows, could be fed lying by a stream by a raven who brings us meat. Who knows? God's a provider. Jehovah Jireh, the one who sees ahead and provides for us. Be sure and not fall behind so that you are you are all given up, tithed and offered up, if you will, so that you've laid up treasures in heaven so if things get scarce and tight here, you will not have a concern. After all, there was a Dave, not David who said, you know, I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the uh, the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. How about that? I do think you need to be trained in various things. I need to learn plumbing. I need to learn electrical. I need to do anything that I do with my hands other than hold a microphone. I am not trained in those areas. Learn some skills. Have guns. Have ammo. Be trained in both. I would like to suggest, if you have an extra twenty-five, fifty, dollars or 100000 I would like to suggest that you invest in a nice piece of ground somewhere in the interior part of the country, more or less halfway between West Venezuela, California, and East Venezuela, otherwise known as New York. And there is a passage in Scripture. In fact, it's in there a couple of times. It says the prudent person, says a prudent man, but means a prudent person, sees a danger ahead and hides himself or secures themselves, or takes precautions. And I'm not saying you, you turn into a survivalist at all levels. I'm not saying you run off to the country and you hide and you, you dig a cave and a hole and crawl in it. But take some necessary precautions and, and preparations for what is coming. It doesn't that, I mean, and, and even Scripture says that these days that are coming are going to be horrible. Now, some of you might not think there are 60 days down the road or six months or six years, and maybe they aren't. But the speed at which we're descending, it would be difficult to imagine that it isn't here sooner rather than later. I mean, do you, if there is a hurricane warning, do you not take cover? Do you not move inland? Do you not do what's necessary? You get some supplies, you get water, you board up the windows, you do what's necessary because you know of a coming danger. If there's a, a floodwaters are developing, people who are on riverbanks and low-lying areas, they move to highlands. They, they do what's necessary with the knowledge that there is danger coming and they have been warned of it. If you live in tornado country, KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR. From townhall.com, I'm Keith Peters. The Supreme Court today heard arguments on whether a cross on public land in Bladensburg, Maryland, violates the Establishment Clause. Jeremy Dye's deputy counsel at First Liberty Institute was at the Supreme Court today, and he tells Salem Radio News an adverse ruling against the cross could create chaos across the country. If the court does not rule in that 
in the right direction here. Not only does the Bladensburg World War I Veterans Memorial stand to be cut to the ground, but so do memorials across the country, starting in Arlington National Cemetery with the Argonne Cross and the Canadian Cross of Sacrifice and, and so many others like that. It should not take five years of litigation and a four-volume appendix to determine whether or not a veterans memorial is constitutional. The memorial stands on a grassy highway median in Bladensburg, Maryland, just outside Washington. An explosive day of public testimony from President Trump's former attorney. Ohio's Jim Jordan lashing out in testimony from Michael Cohen. Certainly it's the first time a convicted perjurer has been brought back to be a star witness in a hearing. Cohen telling members of the House Oversight Committee his blind loyalty to President Trump has cost him everything. My family's happiness, friendships, my law license, my company, my livelihood, my honor, my reputation, and soon my freedom. Maryland's Elijah Cummings echoing a lot of frustration. We have got to get back to normal. With that, this meeting is adjourned. Cohen facing another day of closed-door testimony before the House Intelligence Committee. Capitol Hill correspondent Wally Hines reporting. Nuclear-armed rivals India and Pakistan face their worst tension in years over the disputed region of Kashmir, with Islamabad saying they shot down two Indian warplanes Wednesday and captured two pilots. Pakistan immediately shut down its civilian airspace in response. On Wall Street, a mixed day as the Dow was down by 73 points. The Nasdaq rose 6. The S&P declined 2. Oil up to 56.94 a barrel. More on these stories at townhall.com. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's largest mortgage lender. Spring will be here soon. So if buying a new home is on your to-do list,